Welcome to Patriots Perspective. I'm Bobby Kravitsky alongside my co-host Taylor Kyles. This is our first and only show this week. Starting next week, we'll be live streaming on Sportscaster twice a week. We hope you enjoyed the holiday weekend while appreciating what Memorial Day is all about. And Taylor, I don't know if you caught any of Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady on Sunday, but it's the first time in my life I watched the entirety of a golfing event. Obviously, I was doing other things while I was watching it, but it was an entertaining distraction that raised $20 million for COVID-19 relief. And the match came down to the end. By the time we got to the 18th hole, it felt like Mickelson and Brady had failed to convert some chances and it was already over, but the match was for a great cause and it made for compelling television. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing because um, I was actually kind of busy that day, but I did get some of the sound bites of Brady uh, talking the smack to Charles Barkley. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and I liked the whole narrative that he wasn't doing well in the beginning and then he started coming back in the end. I saw that one shot. That was insane. I don't know what you call it. Uh, but it went right in the hole. I thought that was pretty spectacular. Um, but it was just classic Brady. You know, he kind of, you know, isn't his hottest in the beginning of the game. And then when it matters most, he just activates the clutch gene. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, again, last week we talked about the parallels between the Bulls and the Patriots dynasties. And all it took was Charles Barkley talking some smack. And how fitting is it that it's one of Jordan's rivals from the 90s doing it? And Brady hits the shot of the day. He also props them for being willing to go out there and make a fool of himself. He split his pants at one point, really had some rough shots. But we can all relate to that, Taylor. Let's get to the point of today's show. The topic, of course, talking about the tight ends, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene and their roles and how they can be best utilized in this Patriots offense, how they can help Jared Stidham establish himself in the NFL. And especially when they're utilized in combination, in conjunction with one another. And the common themes, Taylor, of what we're about to talk about are deception, forcing the defender to pick his poison and getting players the ball with room to run after the catch. Yeah, we'll start with Devin Asiasi. I think he's going to be your go-to wide tight end. Uh, we mostly saw, although Lacoste did serve the role more in three wide receiver sets, uh, it was more Ben Watson was really what you'd expect from the wall co- role, kind of hand in the dirt, kind of taking on defensive linemen. Um, not as much of a role in the receiving game, obviously, but I think that's where Devin Asiasi gives you more. He's uh, really athletic. You see a lot of wiggle in his game for a guy who's like 260 pounds and can actually shed weight and maybe add a little bit more explosiveness to what he's already got. Uh, He's really got good burst up the seam. Speed after the catch, there was one play, I forget what team it was against, where he runs up the seam, catches it, and then just burns him deep um, and runs away from the defense. And he's got natural hands as well. You see that he's not only just an athlete, but he's a football player. And he's not just, you know, some guy who can get open with athleticism, but he adjusts to errant passes pretty well. He looks like he's a natural hands catcher as well, which you like to see from a tight end where, you know, you think of those guys are either more the smaller receivers and the big guys, you think of them as more blockers. But Debbie Asiasi, I think, is a true well-rounded guy who, especially when you talk about him in line, he's got some stuff to work on technique-wise like any rookie, uh, especially with his hand placement. But he's got the effort, which I think is the most important thing as a blocker. You know, you can work on hands, but there are some guys who clearly just don't really want to be down there in their trenches mixing up with those big guys. Then you get, like, the Gronks, the Dwayne Allens, the Who-Mans of the world, who you can tell they really enjoy and relish that contact. And I think that's what Devin Asiasi also has in this game. And he's got the flexibility to line up in the slot outside. Another exciting aspect of his game. And then Dalton Keene, I think, is someone who 
In terms of the potential fullback role and replacing James Devlin, especially in that role where he's someone who can kind of get the offense hyped up and he sets the tone and he's kind of a spark plug, also kind of in the way that Gronk was, I think Dalton Keith can give you a lot of that because he's athletic, but he's also tough as hell and he's strong. He's pretty thin for, I think he's about 250, 255 pounds. So he may not quite look it because he's also six foot four. So the weight's kind of just distributed a little bit more, but uh, he's a really big physical guy who I think can serve a lot of blocking roles. Matt Lacoste was really that flexible blocker where he was more of an H-back where he would be used in motion. He would be used on wham blocks. You'd see him get to the second level. They used him at fullback a little bit, you know, running. I think he ran a couple routes out of the backfield, not too many. But in terms of the versatility that that kind of gives you, I think Dalton King gives you the ability to do those things with his athleticism. But then he's also another natural hands catcher, a guy who he didn't have a lot of contested catches in college, but there was one where he just mossed uh, Bryce Hall, who's currently a Jets cornerback first year in the league as well so you see a lot of things in his game that are really intriguing and although again limited sample size the uh, the three touchdown game against Miami where he scored but he was wide open every single time you still got to see how he runs with the ball in his hands and every single time it's important to note that he was going out and attacking the ball in the air which you don't always see from players especially when they're wide open sometimes they'll kind of let it get into their body but anytime you see Dalton Keene try to go for the ball he's extending to try to attack it no matter whether or not there's someone around him and I think he's fluid enough to run all the routes in the New England route tree I think it's maybe overrated how difficult it is to run those considering you got guys like Gronk and Martellus Bennett who are really more stiff guys with athleticism for the fact that they were like 265 pounds and six foot five six foot six they weren't running you know these crazy angular routes or anything like that but you, I think that's something that these guys can do even more of especially when you talk about splitting them out and maybe having them run routes in the slot and then one more thing about uh Dalton Keene when a lot of what he did in college was tight end screens, it was you know, submarine routes under the line, different ways off play action, especially to get him the ball in space, especially when you get him against safeties and defensive backs because he's such a big guy. Most safeties and cornerbacks don't want to tackle him, and it's a good way to get him away from those linebackers. That's something that the Patriots did a lot with Martellus Bennett in 2018. They gave him, I think, three or four tight end screens in the season, a lot of different ways. Those summary routes, like I mentioned, off play action, a lot of ways to get him the ball in space as well. So it's not like it's a foreign concept or something like, well, I don't know how he's going to fit. Like we've seen direct translations from what he did in college to what he did in the, uh, to what the Patriots did with Bennett, at least in the passing game. And I think we've seen hints of it in terms of what we've seen Lacoste do as well in the blocking game. And with Keane's agility, explosiveness, and his contact balance, that's certainly going to play a role as we go on later in this show to discuss the benefits of getting him the ball in space with room to run and some of the concepts they can utilize to create those opportunities for Dalton Keane. Circling back to Asiasi for a second, just two things that I'll add, one from a receiving standpoint, one from a blocking perspective, is that he's also very good at finding soft spots in zone coverage. So you talk about the wiggle there and his ability to make catches outside his frame that's huge for play action as is that ability like I said there that knack for finding an area to to give Jared Stidham in particular a young NFL quarterback who's just getting acclimated to the regular season really for the first time outside of a handful of passes an easy window to fit it in there to a big target and then his ability to generate yards after the catch where he averaged 5.6 yards after the catch last season at UCLA and from a blocking perspective Taylor you nailed it there where obviously there's areas in technique that needs refinement, but with his effort, his power, and the fact that he keeps his feet moving, 
even when that technique got sloppy at times, you could see thanks to those three traits, they allowed him to drive his assignment out of the play. So that's an encouraging sign as, as Devin Asiasi rather enters the NFL. I'm curious to get your take on this one. Phil Perry, a good friend of the program, wrote about Asiasi last week, and he included a quote from Dave Spitz, who's Asiasi's trainer, who also works with tight ends like Zach Ertz and Austin Hooper. And Spitz said, quote, he has the catch radius of Austin. He has the body control and the awareness of Zach. And he, I think, has more bend, more wiggle than both of them. Plus, he brings his own set of qualities as a route runner. He's just going to be so difficult to defend at the next level, close quote. Taylor, how does what Dave Spitz has to say about Asiasi stack up with what you've seen on film from him? It's pretty much exactly what I saw as well, because like I keep saying, athleticism, that's the name of the game within both these tight ends. And with Asiasi, I mean, I, again, it's it's easy to get kind of skeptical when you see these athletic guys, especially from the college level, because the assumption is that they don't know how to run routes because they're younger and, you know, it's a pro system or whatever. But Devin Asiasi has shown that he can make safeties look bad at the top of routes. Now, if you're going to ground it and say, well, where maybe could he develop? Where could he run into trouble at the pro level? I think if there's going to be like a Pat Chung kind of safety where he comes down in the box, gets right in his space and says, I'm going to stick you as soon as you get off the line of scrimmage and you see if you can beat me in the stem. Although I do think when it comes to contact off the line of scrimmage, I think Asiasi is good at getting out of that with that wiggle that I mentioned. He's got a lot of good body control and he's strong. He's a big guy. So it's tough to get into his body when he wants to reduce and then kind of make it tough for you to get there in the first place. But if there's bigger guys, you know, those longer kind of uh, more technique savvy guys in the league, if they want to get into him early in the route, I think that they could have some success until he learns some of those Gronk tricks where you let them get in and then you swat at the last second. We've seen Edelman do that as well as a way to create separation if you're not necessarily doing it all yourself. But in off coverage, I think he's going to dominate because not only is he deceptive, but he's also got good burst out of his cuts. Now, I don't think you want him running a lot of sharp angles, but you don't really want a lot of big guys doing that anyway. It's not, you know, you don't want a guy who's 250 pounds having to cut at a 90 degree angle running full speed. So he does round his routes off a bit at the top. But when you think of the Patriots, you think of crossing routes, you think of seam routes, things like that, where you're really just exploiting a defense vertically. And it's not so much about running those kinds of routes anyway, especially on play action. If you're talking about early downs where teams usually use zone coverage. I mean, when I was going back and watching Gronk and Bennett, you'd be shocked how many times they were completely wide open because of the play action and sucking up those defenders. And these guys are just leaving everybody else in the dust and getting good opportunities like you are talking about with the yards after the catch for both of these guys. It's an opportunity to have them wide open in space. But now instead of a screen, you got them 10 yards, 15 yards downfield rumbling and, you know, going up against cornerbacks and safeties. So uh, I think that description was fantastic. And it's exciting, man. We finally got an athletic tight end who can actually catch, who can actually do all these fun things. So uh, I've been obsessed with him for the past, what, the month now? When was the draft? I don't even know. But um, yeah, at this point, time is irrelevant. It's not it's not a real concept anymore. But you're you're actually spot on there. The draft was about a month ago, late April. And looking now towards the other tight end here, Dalton Keene, 6'4, 253. So you're right on the money with that range there. Relative athletic score is something that's measured on a scale of zero to ten. And it's based on the average of all of the percentile. For each of the metrics, a prospect completed at the Combine or at his pro day. And courtesy of MathBomb, which is a phenomenal Twitter account, go give it a follow. And one of the things that MathBomb provides is every player's RAS cards, their relative athletic score. 
Keen was at the top of this year's tight end class registering a 9.34 out of 10. And that was a testament to his speed, his explosiveness and his agility. We talked a lot just now, Taylor, about what he brings to the passing game where like Asias, he's a natural hand sketcher. He's smooth opening up his hips out of breaks and that quickness turning up field helps him to generate yards after the catch along with that good contact balance that we discussed. But give me the pros and cons that you see from Dalton Keene as a blocker entering the NFL. So one thing, he's got short arms. That's important, especially when you're talking about blocking defensive ends. You know, he's got incredible toughness, but at the same time, it's not going to help if you're not able to get into the guy's body before he's able to get into yours, which is why I think that they may not want to use him as a wide tight end. Although he did succeed there in college, he showed that he can do it. He's got the tenacity. He's got the strength. I don't think you really want him too many times to be head up against, you know, a big outside linebacker like what the Chiefs have. Maybe not the lighter guys that you see throughout the league, but, you know, guys like the Chiefs have those big 250-pound guys who are basically old-school defensive ends. So up against those, I don't really think you want him too often. I think it's better when you get him on the move where he's really got a head start and he can kind of use an element of surprise or something like that to really catch a guy off guard and get in there quickly. There's also the fact that he dips his head a lot. You see him get on the ground and lunge which can kind of hurt him in his blocks where he'll either slip off or just get kind of the guy will swat by him or he'll just completely miss. His hand placement isn't great. You also see his base can get really narrow and think about it. If you're trying to block someone, if you're trying to move a piece of furniture, you don't want your feet to be really close together because you're not going to generate any power. You want them wide as possible with your feet staggered so you can get a nice wide base and generate more force. That's something that he doesn't do all the time. And sometimes it, it turns into him standing himself up. But when you consider the fact that there are pancakes all over his tape, the fact that he's moving people, even the Patriots highlight reel for tight ends, you see half of it is him at the point of attack moving guys. And that's with not very good technique where half the time it looks like he wasn't really getting coached there at all. So I think that's a huge positive sign for Patriots fans when you consider that we haven't had a lot of really good blockers on the team since Gronk and Dwayne Allen left last year. It was really just guys who – you know, like I keep mentioning in the old Belichick scouting report, it's just you want a guy who can get in the way. They lived up to that very well last season for the most part. Uh, but I think he finally got some road graders again who uh, they may struggle at times. I don't think it's all going to be pie in the sky. You know, they're going to uh, probably suffer against some of the more experienced guys who can take advantage of the weaknesses that they see on tape. But, uh, I mean, Keen, he's very exciting. And I think he could give you that Devlin, like I said, where he's in the backfield and really kind of setting the tone of the game with his physicality and moving guys more so than I think Vitaly, who we'll get to later, really offers, although I do like his versatility as well. Yeah, sometimes Dalton Keene is going to get burned by the fact that he has a tendency to lean forward as he blocks and his head goes down. And so you'll see him fail to hold this block, sometimes even end up on the ground. Not uncommon to find on Dalton Keene's tape as a blocker. But one thing that you just touched on, Taylor, that impressed me was that his agility stands out in that role as well. For example, if he's blocking on the quarterback's left, he can quickly get over to pass rushers coming from the right side. I, I was really impressed by his ability when he's asked to hang back by the quarterback to handle any incoming danger. And he actually played running back for a few snaps in college. Not only they, I, I believe his coach said he just wanted to see if he could move the pile. And Keen actually has a background as a running back, which kind of makes you think of Aaron Hernandez. Uh, and even Mar Martellus Bennett, they gave him a few little sweeps uh, when he was at the Patriots as well. But in blitz protection, I thought he was really impressive, actually. He did a really good job, like you said, scanning to find the blitzer and then get to them across the formation. Um, and then when you see him on some of those routes that we saw from Jakob Johnson, where Devlin wasn't really a guy with the best mobility. He was more of a downhill thumper type, although he was capable of handling many assignments. Keen definitely gives you that extra element, like I think 
uh, uh, Vitaly also gives you where they can use that mobility to get to the second level, kind of do those arc blocks where you're going up to get to the linebackers around the edge instead of maybe more of a sift where you're going straight on the other side of the formation and taking out like an edge defender. Yeah, and Taylor, you might have been the first one on the ball shortly after the Patriots drafted Keen that, come on now, don't act all, we don't want false modesty. You know what you bring to the table. I so, don't know true, but it's cool if it is. I haven't even heard it yet. You tell me, you tell me. At, if you weren't first, you're right there, one of the first people to have the take that Dalton Keene, we look at him as, okay, the Patriots had a double dip at tight end, but I could easily envision him, and you steered me in this direction of being their starting fullback because he allows them, if you don't get bogged down in who's playing what position, to toggle back and forth between 12 personnel, two tight ends, on the field and 21 personnel, two backs out there without having to sub. And so for Josh McDaniels to have both formations at his disposal without allowing the defense to properly adjust to each one respectively, that's a huge advantage for the Patriots. Absolutely. And I think people also didn't Michael uh, Ho'omano when he played some fullback as well when he was with the Pats. I can't, I don't know if that's, if I'm making that up or not, but I feel like he lined up in the backfield a little bit. I'm going to have to look that up. Probably, probably like a, Strictly for blocking, but maybe lined up as an H-back. I, I could envision oh, yeah. that. I really just remember him as a tight end. And, of course, his role with the now illegal formations in the 2014 divisional playoff game against the Ravens caught yeah. at least one of those passes where they had Baltimore fooled with who was eligible and who wasn't. But I, I mostly remember who man blocking from a traditional tight end perspective. But definitely I'm sure that they had some versatility blocking from an H-back perspective I, I can envision that pretty easily for who man and yeah. put up on pff there were 30 thank you pff all right so we got so we got wait was he on the, yeah 2014 to 2013 he was in the backfield about 30 times all right so i'm not crazy yeah it, it makes sense i could certainly see human who man holding his own in that perspective at least from a blocking keen he'll block from that perspective as well as an h-back but i think he'll be used more as a, a passing option, certainly compared to the guy we're talking about here, 47. And now, Taylor, let's move it forward. You talked about Dan Vitale, six feet, 239. He ran a 4'6", 40-yard dash. And according to our good friend, Evan Lazar, Vitale was on a conference call with the local media and outlined how he's been utilized with his previous teams, talking about how in Cleveland he was more of a traditional fullback, goes to Green Bay where he's doing a little bit of everything, which parallels his role as a quote-unquote super back at Northwestern. And fans were, for the most part, really excited about that signing. And then they draft Dalton Keene, and the sheen came off of that acquisition. But the idea that they can have two players who can fulfill the role we're envisioning for Dalton Keene is not something to be taken lightly. Yeah, it's kind of funny because Dalton Keene gives you – pretty much everything that everyone was excited about with Vitaly, it's he gives you the versatility. Like, is he going to be H-back? He can spread out wide because he's so athletic. He's good after the catch. He can be a fullback and all these things. And then you get, like you said, you get uh, Dalton Keene where it's like he is all that, plus he's four inches taller and he's 250 pounds and he's strong and he's a maniac. So I'm, you know, I liked, especially like watching the conference call, I am a big Dan Vitaly fan. One, because he's Italian. Two, I'm Italian as well. I know it's hard to tell, but, you know, it's, it's it's in the family. My mom's last name is Palermo. I'm no fraud. 
But the Italian, uh, the fact that he seems like a really great guy. He seems like he's going to be great in the locker room. Uh, seems like a very cool guy. Just had a kid, which is really cool. Congrats if you're listening by any small chance. Um, and the fact that he's athletic. You don't really see super athletic. Well, I guess now they're becoming more common. But you still, it's not that common to see, you know, the fullback wheel routes and things like that. And especially when you watch his college highlights, the superback role. Uh, you know where it, got to, where it gets its name from because he did a lot of different things. And he was an exciting player. That being said, it's just tough to see where exactly he fits uh, because I think that Dalton Keene is just a better fullback because he's just got more power. When I watched Vitaly, like, trust me, I looked very hard. I remember he said um, when he was with the Browns, like you said, he was more of a fullback. So I was like, okay, let me, you know, see if there was some better tape there because with the Packers, when I saw him blocking as a fullback, I wasn't really that impressed. But I was like, you know, maybe it's a coaching thing, scheme, whatever. And I wasn't blown away. He's not the kind of guy that's going to create much movement. He's super athletic. I think he can get to his spot quickly. And uh, at least in terms of the timing, he's going to give you a lot of advantages there. But if he's got to take on like a 240-pound linebacker, I don't think he's going to win a lot of those battles. Uh, he's feisty. He tries hard. It's not like it's a lack of effort. He's just a small guy. He's six feet tall. How Do you know how much he weighs? I forget. I probably should have looked it up. Let me scroll back down here. I got you. He is six feet, 239. 6239. So that's bulky, but it's not as much power as I mean, we're spoiled with James Devlin. And I said when we got him that I do not think he's James Devlin. They're very different players. But even when you consider Dalton Keene, 230 and 255 is very different. That's a lot more power behind those blocks. And I just saw Dan Vitale struggle too much with power to think that he could really be the type of fullback that we expect from the Patriots. Honestly, I think Jacob Johnson could potentially be better in that role because I think he gives you more of an in-between in terms of that ability to move people. So, you know, I think maybe Vitaly could be used more of an H-back. I think that's where I would love to see him. Maybe give him the ball in space and let him use a lot of that speed. And that's one thing that's very exciting. I think that you could come out in 21 personnel, 22 personnel with two tight ends and two running backs. And if that running back is Rex Burkhead, you can split out and pretty much do anything you want with the defense. So that's very exciting. But it's just hard for me to envision Vitaly's role when – Dalton Keene has such a similar skill set, but he seems like he's got even better tools to work with. Well, so it's easy to envision what Vitaly's role is going to be because really we cover it as we talk about Dalton Keene's role and how we project him to be utilized in this offense. It's the idea of him bringing quality depth to the table for the Patriots. And so one thing I like is not only that, but also that he can sub into the game, whether it's for Keen or to play alongside Keen if they want to go heavy without tipping, whether they're going to start leaning more towards running or passing. And so the idea, again, the the idea of how it would work is different than the, the Rams Super Bowl. So I'm hesitant to even bringing up as a comparison, but just to help people get that image in their mind of the Patriots going heavy, getting the mismatches they want against a defense that has players who are best suited to stop the run compared to go out there in coverage. And all of a sudden you trying to keep up with Dalton Keene and Aussie Aussie and Dan Vitale, that's going to be really hard, particularly for heavier linebackers who are in that Jawan Bentley, Dante Hightower type of mold. Yeah. And I, I may have spoken. It's not that I don't know what he's like, what he can do, what he's going to do. It's just tough for me to say, you know, if they're going to go with two running backs, I feel like that's going to end up being Keene instead of Vitale. So 
I, I guess it's more like how big is his role going to be? How much are they really going to use him in, you know, as an H-back, as a fullback? And like you said, with James Devlin, especially when you think of him as a fullback, he was versatile in that you knew that when he was on the field, a defense is thinking it's run. It's got to be run. We cannot put, you know, a sa- another safety or another corner on the field because we're going to get run over. That's what James Devlin gave you. But when you spread out, although he was smart, he knew what he was supposed to do. He was a reliable catcher and he gave you some toughness after when he had the ball in his hands, he wasn't the guy that defenses are really afraid of. Half the time, I remember there was one play where Keith Tlaib basically forgot that he was on the field and just went to somebody else and Devlin wound up coming wide open. But in terms of defenses having to think about every single person on the field. If you have a tally out there against a cornerback, he's going to have to think a little bit more than if it's Devlin, who he, you know, could really cover in his sleep if he was really trying. Because Vitaly's faster. He's a little more – he's much more agile. And I think he gives you more after the catch as well. So it's it's a trade-off for sure. You don't get the power that you got with Devlin, but you get, I think, more versatility in terms of what you can do with him. Yeah, there's a touchdown that comes to mind from Vitaly. I believe it was against the Broncos where he's lined up at fullback and he gets his guy on a wheel route. And it was um, Jewel, the linebacker there from Denver, who I know coverage is not his strong suit, but that's the whole point here. Create a mismatch, take off down the field. And and the expectation is that Vitaly is going to win that foot race. He does. Easy touchdown for Green Bay. I think he's actually, he goes down at like the one yard line or one inch line might even be more accurate, but that's the idea there. Create mismatches, like we said at the top, deception and getting guys the ball with room to run after the catch as well. And so one of the ways I'm most excited about using Asiasi and Keen in, together in particular is these high-low concepts they can create. For example, you get them lined up in a nub formation together at the end of the line, and you can send them, like I said, high-low concept or really branch out and do just about anything you want. You can send one down the seam or in between the numbers, call it whatever you want. And then the other one on a corner out, for example, down the sideline or send them out to the flat. There's so many different options and so many different ways for the Patriots to free someone up and force a particular defender, lock in, force that individual to pick his poison. Yeah. One of the more exciting things I really think about is with that versatility, like you got a lot of athleticism. So I think it's more of a vertical push as well, especially if my boy Jeff Thomas is able to make the roster and make an impact, I'd be so excited. But even Demir Bird, I think, gives you a lot of that as well. But I think this is the most yak threats the Patriots have really had in terms of going through every position. Usually I feel like it's Edelman, maybe one other receiver, Gronk, and then one or two running backs that you really think of when you think of elusiveness and we got to get him ball in space. But now, especially when you look at the young players and then you throw in Edelman, it's pretty much everybody. You got Keen, you got Vitaly, you got Asi uh, Asi. Jeff Thomas is great with the ball in his hands. Nikhil Harry obviously is a big yak threat. You can legitimately have five guys on the field where you just get the, give them the ball and they can work some magic. And I think that's very exciting because especially when you think of the X position, I don't think it's ever really been a spot where the Patriots were able to get a guy who – was able to really make things work after the catch. Like Brandon Cooks was great deep, but he wasn't giving me much after the catch. Neither was Philip Dorsett, not really Brandon Lloyd. Uh, Brandon LaFell, I think, was better at that. He was, yeah, he was definitely better than most people who filled that role. But you really don't. Not a ton of yak there either, though. It was mostly about him using his size and physicality to make the catch. Right. And then like a little bit of toughness and using his strength, but not really like make a guy miss in space, that kind of but right now you can legitimately put five guys on the field especially when you think about them them being you know tight ends and fullbacks and running backs where they can do that kind of thing so I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of how you know they could possibly help Jared Stidham 
he's got a lot of stuff around him and there's a lot of things that are going to make his life easier, especially when I think I hope and was Evan Lazar's been on this for a while as well, that they take a lot of things from Shanahan's playbook where you just take advantage of the fact that every single person on the field is someone who can hurt you after the catch and just make a defense line up, show what they want to do, you know, with their play calling and with their personnel and just make them pay and make sure that they're never right. And so let's go into that right now, because Evan, like you said, did a great job of addressing this and what the Patriots can copy from Kyle Shanahan's offense. And one of those concepts is to line up Dalton Keene, or it can be Vitaly next to Asiasi. You get everyone flowing in their direction, clear out the weak side and send Keene or Vitaly that way with momentum and room to run after the catch. Asiasi is going on a crossing route and there's a wide receiver on a vertical route designed to occupy the middle of the field safety. And if your wide receiver beats him, that's great. Maybe you take a shot at it. But pulling that safety out of the equation is the purpose of that. And it makes life easier for a quarterback who doesn't have to try to fit the ball between two defenders if he wants to target the tight end on the crosser. But really, the what you're banking on is that Dalton Keene is the one who's going to be open with plenty of room to run. And we saw Juszczyk take advantage of that all the time. Absolutely. And then especially oh, and in terms of George Kittle's route here, I remember there was one route that he ran against the Packers. It was this double move where I think it was a post, a corner post or something like that. He ran it so smooth, busted wide open, and it's one of those. Uh, it was one of those plays where Shanahan just kind of builds off of it, and he knows that if he shows the defense something like once in the game, he's going to be able to go back to it later with a little tweak and just completely blow it open. And I think that's what Asiasi gives you is that by tight end who can still run double moves and really good convincing fakes down the field. So, I. Uh, the possibilities, man, like if these guys buy in and they really understand the system and Belichick and McDaniels feel comfortable about, you know what, let's put more on these kids' plates. I mean, they're year three projections alone, especially what excites me is the possibility that this could be a long-term thing. Like we saw with Gronk and Hernandez when they were tearing it up and they showed that they could be the focal points of the offense. Patriots were like, yeah, we'll throw money at you. Like we want to reward you for being the center of our offense. And if this works out, we can get them for a long time. Players with a lot of tools that are very exciting. I feel guilty that I really overlooked both of these guys in the pre-draft process because you know me. I'm not a huge draft guy. Like I've said it a million times. So, you know, especially with the tight end position this year, I feel like I got off to a rough start with who I watched and it kind of just got me to a point where I was like, all right, let's just see what this guy's got. And I was kind of pessimistic, but it's crazy. I overlooked him. And now I'm like freaking having daydreams about him. I'm like, you know, doing whatever other work. And I'm just like, huh, what if they use Keen or Asiasi this way? So I'm sure McDaniel's having a lot of fun too. Yeah, we went through, and our longtime loyal listeners know this, we went through position by position leading up to the draft, and we started with tight end, not the most talented group, more players who are particularly good in a limited role, and they bring kind of one dimension to the table. So we had to go and circle back to the tight ends as we got closer to the draft. And so Asi Asi was someone, though, that what stood out to me from the jump was the idea that he's more of a well-rounded tight end and that he can bring both to the table from a receiving and a blocking standpoint. And then you look at the wiggle at the top of the routes and all that. And so he was one of the guys that I was higher on, but you can go back and check the receipts on Twitter. I was leaning towards Trotman when the Patriots were on the board there looking to go tight end. I even thought Trotman over Cole Komet for a while there, but now I'm really happy with who the Patriots selected. And one of the things I like, Taylor, is that they can run and go play action from the same look without indicating what they're going to be doing. And what that affords Keen in particular 
is the ability to come in motion, to build momentum before the snap. That helps anyone, but it really helps him. And as you'd expect, when you go back and watch the tape on him as a blocker, that's when he's at his best. So the ability for Akeen to be able to build that momentum before the play. And then you don't know, he might look like he's coming at a linebacker to take him out and establish the run. But all of a sudden he takes off down the field and he gets a linebacker caught flat-footed. Huge advantage for the Patriots and for Jared Stidham in particular, as everything is built around trying to make life easier for a young quarterback. Yeah, and then, I mean, again, now I'm just thinking about Alciasi stuff. I remember I was, like, going back in scouting reports just to see, like, especially because I've been so obsessed with watching these guys and figuring out how they could be used. You know, I was trying to find any excuse to kind of calm down. Like, was there maybe something pre-draft? And then it kind of just stoked the fire. For Devin Asiasi, a lot of people were actually saying that he could be the most complete tight end in this class as long as he can keep it, you know, keep his head on straight because he had some off-field red flags. I think some of it was tied to the fact that he was so far from home in California um, and he was – you know, wasn't really comfortable with that. I think that was the case when he was at Michigan originally that he just wasn't comfortable in that environment. But considering that they've got guys on the Patriots staff who already know him, who've worked with him when he was in college, and I think, you know, being with the most successful sports franchise of the past two decades is pretty good incentive to, you know, maybe see your family more in the college schedule than you would, you know, in a regular life schedule. But, uh, I mean, like you said, there's I feel like we keep kind of saying the same things, but these guys are fantastic. The versatility, the athleticism, the upside – um, I think you were earlier on them than I was. And then, you know, one, you. one more digging, absolutely. Credit words do. Um, once I started doing more research and kind of thinking about the possibilities and looking at their strengths and weaknesses. And I think the things, the reason they, the reasons they were overlooked were they didn't have a lot of production. Uh, Devin Asiasi really only had the one year. And then Dalton Keene really wasn't a big receiving threat, although he was a good blocker really his entire career. Again, amazing considering that his technique wasn't even very good. Um, but it's obviously a red flag when a prospect kind of jumps on the scene. You don't see a whole history of production, especially I know a lot of scouts want to see that production over time to really feel comfortable. And I think that's why they dropped, but I'm, 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 I'm just looking forward to the future. I think they've got good coaching and I think they're in an environment where if there's anywhere where you're going to understand, you know, how to stay in line, have a strong work ethic and at least get the level of coaching that's going to allow you to unlock that potential. I think they're in a really good place. Yeah, Asiasi, one of the criticisms that people are quick to point out is that he needs to cut weight. And that's true, but he also had a breakout year last season, 44 catches, 14.6 yards per catch, 641 receiving yards to go along with four touchdowns. And I know the Belichick connections sometimes lead him astray, or I don't want to accuse someone from the outside looking in of being lazy, but with all that Belichick has on his plate, Sometimes you just you look at who he's friends with, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Chip Kelly. These are guys who it's very easy to take their word when they give Bill, especially on one of their own players, their two cents on a prospect and give them the rundown, how they see it of a player on and off the field. So maybe sometimes not, that hasn't worked out for the Patriots. Maybe, Go ahead. Maybe not Urban Meyer. Maybe not the best example there. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly from that vein as well. And it's interesting that we're talking about the tight ends, but uh, my point here is that Phil Perry also talked about, and again, you got to couch anything you hear, especially when it comes from Dave Spitz, who's Asiasi's personal trainer. But he talked about how ecstatic Asiasi was recognizing what a, an opportunity this is and how good of a match it is that he's going to the Patriots. We talked last week about that being a perfect marriage between a prospect and their strengths and weaknesses and how they're best utilized and a team that's starving for more production out of the tight end position. And Dave Spitz, again, it's his personal trainer. I, I get it. But 
He was talking about Ossie Ossie's work ethic. That's one of the things that people question. And it's easy to look at a guy who needs to cut weight and voice that concern. But he's saying that this guy, he's a quick learner. He gets after it. And he's certainly thrilled for the environment that he's walking into now. So I'm excited to see what Ossie Ossie does. Dalton Keene, nickname is Rambo. So that topic has been covered. That's all you need to say there. And Taylor, one of the things that I really like about Dalton Keene that I think Josh McDaniels is going to take advantage of is how effective he is on delayed, excuse me there, peanut butter in the mouth, delayed releases. And so that's one of those things where they can have him chip first and that helps Stidham. It can help them slow down a potent pass rusher. And then you get him the ball on a quick hitter or use that action as a decoy, getting defenders to suck up, targeting intermediate throws, whether that's to a bigger wide receiver like Nikhil Harry or Mohamed Sanu. You can target Asiasi or Matt Lacoste, or you can use it to look for Julian Edelman on a post or a crosser where he catches it in space and ideally only has one defender to beat. So there's so many different amalgamations they can build off this and utilize Dalton Keene's effectiveness on those delayed releases. Absolutely. And that's one thing that Dalton's actually, Dalton Keene's really good at. And one of the reasons he was op- wide open so many times is he's very good at selling, getting to that two count and then coming off and releasing. So, I mean, yeah, uh, just another one of the myriad of ways I think they can use him, especially considering they've shown these ways already with Bennett, a little bit with Lacoste, and I think they even threw Ben Watson a screen last year as well. Didn't go very well. But, as you uh, would expect. We've seen it, man. They've got, they got plenty of quick hitters at tight ends. They're willing to give them the ball and runs as well. So I think Keen is going to get every opportunity to produce and show what he can do with the ball in his hands, and then he's going to have plenty of time. I think like Johnny Smith, I saw it on the Crocker report. Uh, they, there was a threat on him and his ability after the catch and all the things he does well. And how early in his career, he was really just the kind of guy where you got him the ball on screens, on those play actions and things like that. Uh, even on a shovel pass, I'd love to see the Patriots incorporate a shovel pass on their offense. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, but it was, it, And then later on in Johnny Smith's career, they started giving him more and letting his route tree develop. And I think that's probably the trajectory that we're going to see Keenan, uh, really just more of a yak guy, and then let him learn the route tree, kind of see how much he can do athletically in that perspective, and then let him blossom. Whereas I think Asiasi is a guy who can really run the whole route tree pretty quickly. Yeah, I anticipate that as well. And something that – Keen can take from James Devlin that you brought up earlier is the idea that they can line these two up on the same side, but flex one of them out wide like they did with Devlin to identify coverages. And so maybe you bring Dalton Keen in motion, but you can also keep him there and run a variety of routes. You can do it with either one, of course, but the idea that, you know, you can come across and have that tight end who flexed out wide be the designated screener or he can be the one who you're screening to get open, especially in Keen's phase, in Keen's case, because he's more agile. Or, you know, there's any number of things. You can try and, and get a shot where Keen, because he's smaller, gets to the inside of that outside defender and you take a shot downfield. Aussie Aussie, bigger body, you can really go either way with it. But the the point is again, the Patriots, Taylor, as we've talked about throughout the course of this show, and we're getting ready to wrap up, they just have so many options at their disposal and not to mention how it works in conjunction with some of their backs like James White and Rex Burkhead, if he's still here, of course, who are so effective with the ball in their hands, Nikhil Harry, same deal, Julian Edelman as well. And so Josh McDaniels has a lot to work with. Absolutely. It's going to be fun, man. Especially when you think of all the undrafted guys like JJ Taylor is an exciting guy to watch. Jeff Thomas, obviously guys with legitimate concerns, JJ Taylor with his size, you know, he could be Deion Lewis or he could be Roy Finch. I'm not saying he's going to be Deion Lewis necessarily, but in terms of, you know, that underrated guy who just kind of jumps onto the scene, 
And then uh, Jeff Taylor is a guy who's very fast, really good route runner, just exciting prospect overall, but some stuff off the field. You know, when you get those guys into the mix with who we really know is projected to stay on the team for a while, uh, then you got Damian Williams as well out of the backfield who should have hopefully a bigger role this year. There's a lot of stuff to be excited for. I always say that. But, uh, I mean, this team drafts well. They have a good eye for talent, so it's easy to say. And you look at this team being built around their defense and their special teams, and we're sitting here talking about what the offense can bring to the table. It's exciting to envision. That's all the time we have for today. Taylor and I will be back here on Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern. In addition to Sportscaster, you can find Patriots Perspective on all streaming services, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. It's on it. It's free to subscribe, and it makes a big difference for us. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. His handle is at tkyles39. That's Kyles with a Y. My handle is at Bobby Kravitsky. That's spelled K-R-I-V as in Victor, I-T-S-K-Y. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Stay safe, be considerate, and have a great week.